starting some plan, just really encourage you to do that. We've, it's easier now than it ever has been. You know, if you lost your Bible, well, you were kind of stuck until you found it. But now you got it on your phone, you can find it on your computer, you, can, you, you have the Word of God more accessible than any other time in history. So we should be reading it. We, the God's love letter to mankind and, and again, all of that. So uh, very excited. I um, want to welcome everyone back uh, to our week two of this series that entitled Forward and uh, A Journey of Generations. Uh, it's, it's, it's our history. It's a legacy in the making of what God is doing here at Valley, and we're very excited about it. So in this series, we've been talking about how God wants to use us really to make an impact to make an impact not only now, but in years to come. And uh, we're also unveiling some plans that uh, God has placed and put in our heart regarding a, a new building and the upgrade of the existing uh, building that we have that you're sitting in right now. And so we believe God has given us a fantastic plan and uh, for our new home, as we're calling it, that we're going to be talking about this throughout the series. So we want to give you de- some details as they're developing. So it's kind of like, it, matter of fact, we're on the phone. Uh, Jamie and I were on the phone with the architect today and just kind of settling in on kind of uh, hardening in what is going to be the, uh, what we think is a pretty close to the floor plan of what we're looking at. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second. But um, so... At this time, we'd like to ask you, and uh, we've got this book, we're calling a vision book, and we're asking everyone to keep this close to you and bring every service because we've got the, uh, the notes in there. So if you have not come or if you've not gotten a hold of one of the vision books yet, please raise your hand up. The, uh, our team is going to come right now and make sure you get one. And again, uh, it's a cool little, uh, little book that our staff has put together for you. So just leave your hand up until they come. They're coming. And... Um, You'll see a lot of information about what Forward is all about, including some kind of some concept ideas. We're going to be, as soon as we get the, uh, the CAD drawings of the floor plan of the new building and of the upgrades as they're going to be applied to the children's areas, we're going to put those up on the screen for you. We'll also have them available in a website. So we've got a, a dedicated URL website for you to go to. And uh, on the website, you'll be able to see um, uh, a lot of the details as they're coming together. So you can see that. And, uh, and you know, over the course of the next year, as that's moving forward until we, you know, break ground and really get moving on it. And so again, ca- concepts. And also one thing that I'm excited about putting on there is a FAQ, so frequently asked questions section. So as questions come about, you're asking questions, always oh, going to have this, it's going to not have that. Why are you doing this? And why are you not doing it that way? So we'll do our very best to answer as many of those questions as we can. Um, but so I'm going to get into more detail today uh, or tonight regarding uh, specifically what is going to be involved in that and how we're going to do it. And uh, But, so if you'll turn to the back here, you'll see a message uh, note section and also a small group section. We started the small groups up this week, and you can still jump on board. If you still haven't signed up for a small group yet, go see Miss Meredith. She's sitting there at the forward booth, and she'll get you signed up, uh, help you get involved in a small group. We're making some changes, uh, matter of fact, uh, just adjusting some groups. We'll give you updates on that. But uh, so you can take your notes. We're asking you to just take this book and keep it with you during this whole series. You know, uh, I guess we should have put like a little lanyard on it so you could just hook it on and keep it there or something. But uh, anyway, please keep this with you and keep the information close at hand because, again, it answers uh, a good amount of questions as far as kind of what the plan is. But again, you, you have the notes here. So we're not, pa- notice we're not passing out the notes as we normally do, but they're in the book, the blanks. Uh, for you to fill that out. And also, you got your little Sharpie that you can uh, use to, to write inside your book. And the reason why we did that is because the pages are kind of slicky and not every pen draws in there really well, uh, and certainly not pencil. So uh, we gave you a Sharpie so you could really get in there and, and, and use that. But be careful. Those things are permanent, and they can uh, mess up your day. And if you fall asleep, somebody might just do a little smile on you or something like that. So uh, be careful of that. All right, so again, some of you were not able to come last week, and that's okay. You can go right onto our website. You can catch last week's message and uh, part one, and again, we're just going on. So as you're aware, we're all uh, we're, we're in a place where we need a, a, a little more space. We just need some space to, to grow, but it's not just space, but it's useful, effective space, a larger home in order for us to continue what God has given us. So the heart of what you felt tonight, 
Wasn't that a rich worship time tonight? Gosh, I just wanted to keep going. So good. And uh, just meeting with the Lord, that, that is such a heart of what we and who we are, is just to worship God. Part of our vision statement is worship God, equip people. So preaching and teaching, teaching the word of God. So when I hear, you know, uh, that, that word of God being valued is, man, that's just striking right where we believe God wants to, is calling us to be and to do. So to equip people uh, to, to do the work of the ministry, to be effective that way, and to reach the world beyond us. And uh, so the scripture, Jesus said, go into all the world, right? All the nations to your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We take Jesus's word very much uh, seriously in, in making that our mission. And so we, uh, of course, we, we've been involved in missions for many, many years, as long as I've been here for sure, and sending missionaries out, planting churches, equipping people, coming alongside and helping other missionaries, uh, doing many, many things that way. And you'll be hearing more about that in the future. So to love God, to equip people, and to reach the world, we, we're, we're simply in this place of, of capacity. So, you know, obviously having a weekend service on a Thursday night is indicative of what we're doing here. That we're, we're, and I really want to thank you. Thank you for coming on Thursday nights because that frees up spots on Sunday. Thank you so much. Because in that second service, again, we are just, we, we've, because of the weather and what we've got going on, it's very, very difficult to park people. And so we've been only having like two spots left, three spots. Last week, we did have 11 spots left in that second service. Hallelujah. But that's because all of the staff parked over at Frazier's. God bless them for letting us use their parking space. And uh, they've been very uh, grateful for that. But I mean, I'm not really excited about my little red-haired wife running across four lanes, five lanes of traffic to, to get here. But uh, anyway, thank you so much, because that's exactly what we're trying to do is, is get you to come here so we can give us more growing room uh, on Sunday. So folks, we need some more space. And uh, again, to keep doing what God has called us to do. So our lobby out there, our coffee areas are overcrowded. And many of our children's rooms, we're just having to do what we can uh, to put it all together. And, and we just need additional space to do what we do and do it well. And so this is not even, again, mentioning the desperate need for more parking, which again, we're working on. But you know, you can't do parking lots in the wintertime. That's uh, I'm really having a hard time with that. I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> it's like, can somebody please dig holes in, 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 in January or February? But just not going to have it until the spring. So we still got to suffer long. But again, part of what we're wanting to do is, is to change all that, upgrade what we have. And again, thank you so much for, for coming tonight. So, but if we don't act quickly, we're going to find ourselves in, in a big predicament. And that's part of the thing that, that, that I have learned for having done this for as many years as I have is you really don't want to react. You, you want to be proactive. You want to be ahead of the wave. And when you're ahead of the wave, you get to go far. You get to, if you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about as far as surfing and all that. We want to stay in front of it so we can be carried and do and capture all the energy and, and the fruit that we really see God giving to us, pouring into our lap that we're to be good stewards of it. And so, we're, you know, so we're, by the time we kind of figure out that we need to really do something, we find ourselves really a couple of years behind that. So we've got to get moving because we just really know God is doing something very special among us. He's called us to this. So again, we're already at four weekend services. And there's, again, there's not a lot else we can do uh, except maybe add some more services. But my, my staff, their, their tongues are kind of hanging out as it is. And so it's time for us, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't even want to tell you what I said to him the other day. I said, you know, have you guys thought about a Friday night service? Oh man, they about ran out of the building. And my wife, I can't even tell you what she said to me. But anyway, I'm just insane. There, that's the way it is. But so, and as a church, as the as church life goes, these numbers we're dealing with, you know, re we're really kind of at a low tide right now. In 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 church life, Christmas and Easter are big times, and then you have these these fluctuations in the fall. Folks, we're getting we're heading right toward a huge wave coming at Easter, and 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 that's when a lot of people come back to church. It's a wonderful time to really do our outreaches, and so thankfully we're ready with this Thursday night service. But man, we you know I see the big lump in the snake a coming. And we better be ready. And uh, so, again, we're a little bit behind the eight ball, but that's okay. We're going to move forward, and we're going to do our very, very best to uh, prepare for what God has for us. So I, I wanted to take a quick moment this, or this evening to address uh, what was a concern of the elders. You'll notice I'm reading all of this because I want to get it right. 
Uh, but an elder, the elders and I had definitely a concern at the beginning. It was my concern as well. And uh, so, matter of fact, after last Thursday night and after last weekend, several people came up and said, I think you're building too small. You're building too small. I'm like, that's what I said. But, uh, but really, after much advice and much prayer and really looking at it, we, I need to remind you that when we build a 600-seat auditorium worship center, we're, we're not going to go back to just one service. And I think that that might be a misunderstanding, that, we're, that the goal is to go back to one service. No, 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 we're not going to do that. But because... The, Part of a good, growing, life-giving church is having options, having multiple services. So right from the get-go, we're definitely going to have at least three, so two on Sunday. And we're really excited about keeping Thursday night. Matter of fact, we're all kind of sold that Thursday night's a great time. So we're going to have at least those three services. And so when you think of that, 600 seats times three gives us, yeah, 1,800 seats, (laughs) right? 1,800 seat capacity. So please think of it in those terms. All right? Think of it in those terms. So that's being a good steward with what we've got, right? So here we are. We're in a place where we're having to balance, okay, what is our capacity? What is our ability? What can we do? And then with what is a good steward with the monies we're trying to raise. So we've been getting help that way and knowing that, look, we don't want to overbuild, and yet we don't want to underbuild because then what's the point? You know, so we're trying to find that sweet spot of what we can do and, 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 and achieve it. In other words, that we don't, what does the scripture talk about? You know, getting wisdom, thinking through what you're getting ready to do before you do it. So spending a lot of time on that and uh, to just pray and ask God, okay, we, we want the space to, to reflect exactly what your heart is. But again, you know, we don't want to overrun ourselves and put ourselves in a hurt for several years uh, because we've overbuilt. Uh, so 600 is what we have settled in with getting advice from many other different pastors and, uh, and again, uh, with what we feel like will, will allow us to do and be good stewards of what we have. And it, look, if we, if we blow out 1,800, well, then we'll just build another building. Lord help us. But anyway, that's what we'll do. And, uh, and you know what? That's a good problem, isn't it? You know, of all the problems in the world that's going on, man, just have to keep building churches. What a bummer. No, that's good stuff. That's exactly where we want to be. So one of the callings that God has placed in Andrea and and, in my heart is to produce excellence, okay? Excellence without being perfectionist. In other words, driving everybody insane with a desire to be to do things very well. You know what I'm talking about. Perhaps you know a couple of those people. But anyway, we're trying to, to, to create something here. You know, you, maybe you get that sense of, of what our calling is. We like doing things to really, really honor God, to really just say, God, you're worth it. You know, so a lot of preparation, the hours that go into preparing for our time of worship through the prayer and, the, and all that they do, you know, as a staff, our times of prayer, to, to do things at a very high level is honoring to God. It really, really is. That's Andrea and I's heart. And so we want to capitalize that in, in the, this next phase. So in looking at the building, you know, there's a lot of different options. You know, we could, we could do something... Um, on the cheap, as they say, or we could do something very elaborate and way too crystal cathedralish, you know? But we feel like there's this happy medium, and so we really want this building to be uh, reflective of what, what, what is our heart, and so a place of worship. So we, wanted, we want this place to be rocking when it comes to bringing, you know, uh, a wonderful uh, time of worship and praise, a place where people can come and be touched by God. And then, of course, our plays, those dramas that we do, along with the conservatory, we, we're going to want an, a big enough stage to do what God has called us to do. And again, so we're going to be balancing all of that. So we're not going to have theater-style chairs. You know, you're not going to be able to sit down and put a big gulp there at your side. Um, no, we're not going to do that. And it's not going to be a sloped floor because that's pretty expensive stuff. But we're going to have seats like the seats you're sitting in right now. They're comfortable enough. And, but yet we're going to put our money into the things that we feel like are going to really help us do what we're called to do. So our worship and our lights and our stage are going to be as dress right dress as we can make them. So just giving you a heads up on that, that that's, we really feel like that's, that's important. So to create what we're calling a vital, effective clean, safe worship environment where we can teach and fellowship. Fellowship spaces are really critical. We really feel like that as we gather together, we need to have places where we can connect, drink coffee together, uh, and use our places 
that we have in what we call these fellowship zones in, in a multitude of ways. So we're getting, we don't just have areas that are just used for one thing, but we want to be able to move them and shift them around for fellowship, for gatherings, for anything else that we're doing with large groups of men or with women or with the children, uh, or, and then have it open throughout the week so people can come and have small Bible studies and connect and so on and so forth. So these spaces, without a doubt, you know, were, well, will, without a doubt, allow us to be more effective in fulfilling our mission to worship God, to equip people, and to reach the world. So we want classroom space to be able to gather our young people, to gra- gather uh, those for the conservatory, for the arts, but uh, also to train our young people up when it, it comes to uh, studying the Word of God, bringing GCD here. Uh, so that's all a part of the plan for us to be an effective training center and launching out center, okay? So new church plants are in our future, absolutely, to train up teams to go and to do, to go to nations. That's all what God has called us to do. So this is what's in the plan. That's why we're doing that in a visional sense. So again, for those who might have missed that last week, just again, expanding on this. So what is the forward campaign? The forward campaign is all about expanding our ministry campus in order to continue to fulfill our vision. So again, we have that website. You can check that out. I'm going to hit a couple of things here before I get to the message. Just again, uh, we want to get, we want to be able to answer some of these questions because we know once we kind of throw it out there, questions are going to start being asked and we're going to do our very best to answer those uh, before they get too far down the road. So why are we building a new facility? The answer is simple. It's people. It's all about, it's not about buildings. This is about people. This is about training people, encouraging people, drawing people. That is what matters to God. That is what matters to us. And we know we have a very needy community, uh, community uh, uh, people that are hungry for the presence of God, hungry to hear the word of God preached, hungry to be able to connect with other believers and have the kind of accountability that really brings changed lives. That's what we're about. So that's, that's why we're doing this. And since the inception of our church, we've emphasized the importance of, again, reaching people and seeing people come to Christ and grow in their faith. So that's why for years we, we came up, you know, years ago we came up with this vision, as I've shared with you, because, again, this continued focus, we now have upwards. Because we have focused on that, just working very, very diligently, week after week after week, trying to honor God in all the ways we do that, we're, we're well close to about 600 people that fellowship here on four different services. And uh, so that's pretty amazing. That's an amazing thing for our community. And, uh, and again, we're not stopping. We're, we're driving forward because uh, we're not done. Well, I'm not done until I take my last breath. And none of you are done either. And so as long as God keeps us here, then we need to embrace what he's called us to do, amen? To use whatever vocation you are. It doesn't matter where you are in life, that, man, you're serving him. Whatever it is, whether you're in business, whether you're retired, or whether you're, you're uh, you know, making widgets or you're teaching, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can use any of those vocations to continue to be salt and light, amen? And you, we just need a place where we can gather together to encourage us to keep doing that. And that's what we're doing. That's why we're, it's all about people and helping us fulfill that. So when we talk about having overcrowded facilities and places, you know, we want to be able to uh, streamline that. We, again, we're wanting to be more effective and stay ahead of that, uh, that thing, that, that growth, that, that what we know is going to be that flood. And especially, you know, I hate to kind of bring this up. Maybe I shouldn't even use the word hate, but I don't like to feel like you're manipulating anyone in any way, shape, or form. But folks, I don't know about you, but I get the, the, the distinct impression that we, we've at least turned the corner with the second coming of Christ not too far away. I, and as you look at things and what's going on in the globe and kind of the, you know, the earthquake, I mean, you go through what Jesus said would happen in the last days. I mean, I don't know if you follow those things, but I do. I should probably teach a series on that sometime soon, you know, about the last days. But man, folks, I'm telling you, it's all happening. I mean, it's right there. We've been told what's going to happen. And so what does that mean for us? It means we need to get busy because what we know in Scripture is that there's going to be this last great awakening, this last great harvest. And so rather than us retreating and think we've lost the battle, no, farther from the truth, we need to be ready to receive those 
who have been brokenhearted, those who have been robbed and manipulated and destroyed by the enemy. And uh, so I'm telling you that uh, we need to be ready for that. And that's, that's what this is all about. And again, these new spaces are going to help us to do that more effectively. So what is going to be included in the forward, forward, this forward campus expansion? Well, the total square foot, foot over there, I'm going to give you a couple of details, but you'll find all this stuff on the website, but I'm just going to go through it very quickly. But the total square footage of the new building will be right at about 13,000 additional square feet for seating, 600 seat, and again, the state-of-the-art worship center with a theater stage allowing us to do our plays with excellence. We'll have a large atrium that will connect both buildings. Really excited in talking with the, the architect because we made some changes. We sat down with him, and he gave us this wonderful, grandiose layout where he's like, nice, what's the price tag? And when he told us, we're like, um, can you show us something different, you know? And so we went back to the, 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 the drawing board, and uh, actually, I got it got to say, as much as Jamie and I were a part of this, it was Andrea who really came up with the master plan. Isn't that awesome? Bring it on. Let's hear it for the ladies. And, uh, you know, so Andrea was just like, well, what do you, have you thought about this? And I'm like, nope, didn't think about that. So anyway, we shared that with the architect today, and he was just like, good, excellent, great plan. I like it. And so anyway, he's going to start working on that. And, uh, but anyway, we're going to connect the two buildings. We'll be able to bring that other, that other 1,300-seat auditorium sitting right over there and connect it with a beautiful atrium that you'll be able to walk into. You'll be able to move to the left and, and drop off your children and then go into the worship center. And we'll have the babies and the toddlers nearby so that you can get to them quickly. Um, again, that's, that's uh, what we're working on. Um, we'll have a new, in that atrium, by the way, um, will be a new cafe and media center. And, uh, and again, plenty of seating out in that atrium. We're going to make sure that thing is nice and big because we want people to come in and just feel like they can hang out there and fellowship. And believe it or not, they're finding in the modern church that that is a very, very important space. And uh, uh, because, because of the multiple services, I'm going to give you a quick history lesson, okay, R real quickly. You remember how it used to be? You just had the really big, huge church, and when you wanted to grow, you just made a huger church, right? And you, make, you even get a bigger um, steeple going up and up and up and up. You know, that's the way it was old school. And lots and lots of dollars were spent to build these big buildings to try to get everybody into one service. We don't do that anymore. It's wasting money. So what we've been doing, what the church has been doing for about the last 30 years is multiple services using to the extreme the buildings that we have and, and just using them. And then when you have to expand, then you, you build. Okay, so, and then what we have found is that because of the multiple services, now catch this, this is important. Because of multiple services, you got people that are not connecting as well, right? I mean, you probably run into people all the time and just say, well, where do you go to church? Well, I go to Valley. Really? I've never seen you. Well, it's because I go to another service. That's very, very typical in multiple service churches. And so the atrium then creates an opportunity as you're coming and going to say, hey, hey, you're my waitress over at Cracker Barrel. How are you doing? Hey, let's come on over here. You can pull them away from the main entrance. And people are coming and going. Hey, so, you know, I've seen you there. How are you doing? I heard about you. You know what I mean? So you got places to connect and do life and minister. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to have. And so we're going to do it. We'll have a secure check-in area for our children because that's what we're going to do in here. We're going to upgrade this. Where you're sitting now will be uh, the next generation room where we'll have our young people. They'll have their own worship space, be able to do their own thing. So that way, if they run their head through the wall, they got to fix it. I got, you know, I'm just joking. But anyway, I was a youth pastor for eight years, and I'm going to tell you, I ran my head and their heads through the walls many, many times. I don't know how many times Pastor Michael would come to me and say, man, you guys did it again. So anyway, I can't wait to allow Justin to have his own space so he can do what God has called him to do, start reaching at another level. Amen? We need that. We'll have what they're called gerbil tubes. I don't know why they call them gerbil tubes. But anyway, we're going, to have, we're going to try to do the world of wow thing for the children when you first come in, whereas the cafe is now, will be a nice, colorful, uh, what they call a, kind of a marbles museum type thing for our children to be able to enjoy. Uh, multiple classrooms for youth and children. And uh, in that area, we'll have a story time venue out there so the kids could be gathered up uh, to be able to hear uh, you know, stories, Bible stories, even acted out for them in that open area. Very excited about that. 
And did I mention coffee? Yes, we're going to have lots and lots of coffee. Strong, wonderful, hallelujah coffee. All right. Look, the latest news is it's still good for you, so here we go. All right. All right, so all of this will be over there. And again, um, our new, well, uh, basically, those are going to be the three focuses. Seats, atrium, upgraded children, all the other spaces. We'll do our very best to kind of squeeze ourselves in administratively. Uh, we think we got a good plan for that. We're going to make it happen. So here's another question. When will construction begin? So obviously, the young people, they're going, hey, man, we want, it. We want our new space. You guys need to get out of here. Okay, well, hold on. Uh, we'll get out as soon as we get, <laughs> we get another house built, right? So uh, this campaign is a three-year campaign for the, for the gathering of the funds that we, we need. So, but we do want to get it started as soon as we can. So at the end of this series, we're going to, we're going to make pledges. We're going to make pledges for ye- three years, and we're going to ask God. Of course, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later in this series. Uh, to ask God to help us raise up what we need. And... Uh, and again, that will come together as we, as we move fire, uh, forward. So we've hired an architect. We've sec- secured a civil engineer and are now in contact with the authorities for zoning. And uh, so the simple answer to the question of when is as soon as we possibly can. So as soon as we can get all that work done that will help us get everything lined up with the surveying and the engineering and all the details that go into this, then we're going to break ground. And uh, so... Don't hold me to this, but we're, we want, we'd love to see it early fall. We'd really like to, see, like to see that thing, you know, let's do it and get on it. And uh, so the only thing that will hold us back is, is ourselves. So we're going to need to cry out to God and, and, and work together to make this. So how much is the project going to cost? This number's not quite complete yet, as you would imagine. So we're fairly settled on a plan, as I've shared with you, and that we believe we can afford. But this will give us the necessary, as, we, as I've said, it will give us the space that we need. And uh, let's see, I think I've shared all this. Yes, yes, yes. And okay, so the bottom line is price. We've been talking about $2 million. And uh, so we think we can raise more than half of that in a three-year period. And so, but then again, we're open to whatever God has for us as far as uh, what he can do miraculously. And I think I've shared with you the church I came from and helped uh, was a part as an executive pastor building a 1,500-seat worship center that they still are using and fill it five times. Um, uh, a check was given to us for $1.7 million, and we were able to build it with just one donation. Would you guys pray with me on that one? Because I think God can, I've seen God do it, and he can do it again, amen? So, but if that doesn't happen, well, then it's back to us. <laughs> so, We'll, we'll talk more about that. But that's what we're kind of shooting for, somewhere between in that $2 million, uh, range, maybe a little more, depending on building costs and, and how we, we pull all that together. Um, there's more details with that, that I, but I, I want to get the, to the message here. So how are we going to do this? This is a God-sized task, folks, far beyond our ability for any one person to do it. But together, with God's help, we can attain this vision. We can, if we trust him. The Ford campaign, again, is over the three years, and it's going to take all of us, individuals and families, to make it happen and to sacrificially partner together to fulfill the project. So our three-year commitment to the legacy campaign should be an amount that we're asking God to move through us above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings to something miraculously that we're asking God to do. And so is it big? Is it tough? Is it, but is it achievable? Well, nothing's impossible with God, right? God can do all things. And so we just need to really position ourselves to start asking. What did Jesus tell us? He said, you have not because you ask not. So let's ask him. What do we got to lose? But to go to the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the God who, is, who created the universe, the God who gives us everything we need and more, we can ask him. So I want to spend the remainder of time this evening to share a word that comes right in part two of this. And let me see how we're doing our time. So we'll, we'll pull this together. So getting out your scriptures there, let's turn to Romans chapter 12 as we begin. And you can have your notes there handy in your book. And Genesis chapter two, you can have those kind of ready and, and uh, we're gonna, because we're gonna read a lot of scripture tonight and I'm gonna comment, comment not nearly as much as I normally do, but uh, I think it's important for us to, to dig into this. 
So we want to look at the concept of a surrendered life, all right? The, concert, the, the concept of a surrendered life. Now, I talked about earlier about this in our uh, series back in September, October, about learning to be that living sacrifice. We're going to talk more about that tonight. So in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. This is cool. If you've ever read the Amplified Bible, it, it gives you a, a fuller meaning of the Greek, and so I'm going to give that a shot tonight. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren. This is Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in the view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, and consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, your rational, and intelligent service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world or this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind and by its new ideals and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Isn't that good? I love that. So the Bible is very clear here. We are continually to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And that is, you know, so we talk about the Old Testament going to the New Testament. We know the sacrificial, the ceremonial system, and then we know of the, what they call the ceremonial law and the moral law. Ceremonial law was fulfilled in Christ. The moral law continues to move forward. Jesus reemphasizing, matter of fact, bearing that even deeper into the heart there in the, in the Sermon of the Mount, on the Sermon on the Mount. And so, but we're called to be that living sacrifice. So we don't have to offer up bulls in, in, in anything. We don't have to shed any blood. That's always done. So what is our response to that? But to offer ourselves as everything, because we're bought at a price now. We belong to him. And so our whole lives, that is dedicated to him. It's dedicated to serving, to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So that was Paul's message. And I love that, living sacrifice. Check that out. That means we don't die. I mean, that means we keep walking. That means we keep living, but there's a sacrificial part of our life that continues. We're going to talk about that. So, but the funny thing about a sacrifice or a living sacrifice, as uh, Paul calls it, it has a tendency to crawl off the altar. All right? So the living sacrifice, you get put it up there, and God put, we get up on that altar, but then we kind of realize what's going on, and we crawl off. So we, we do that with our will, we do that in seasons, and, and we all go through that. So what we find, folks, as Christians, is that this sacrifice is an ongoing thing. It's a continual thing. Decision after decision, challenge after challenge, race after race. If you're going through the Bible right now chronologically, you've probably been going through the book of Job. And Job, as we have found, we just kind of finished it up, that he was going through a time of, of sifting, of purification of his attitude, of his, of his heart. And yet Job was perfect. God was, 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 was uh, bragging on Job to Satan, to say, well, have you considered him? Look at him. And Satan said, well, you know, well, let's see what happens if you take away his family, you take away of all his stuff. So Job went through a whole new sifting, and he came out on the other side as he went through that test to have to, to surrender, to say, will I continue to love God if I don't have all these things? Will I continue to love God even if my health is not all there? And he did. He passed the test. Even though God sifted him right down to the very minimal part. So a living sacrifice is, is, is where we're at. So where is the altar? Well, the altar is in our heart, isn't it? That's where the altar really is. So we have to come back to that altar every day, decision by decision, so, yes, there's the initial surrender that we all receive when we come to Christ, but there's a re-surrendering over and over and over again. Amen? So a dead sacrifice is a one-time experience. And again, though, when it comes to this living sacrifice, that is Christianity. It's a journey. It's not static. We're always moving forward. It's fluid. It's dynamic. 
That's what a living sacrifice is. It is this constant relational connection we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're caught up on his purpose and his plan for our life. And so we're having to reevaluate because the changes in our life, they, they, they're, they're constantly happening. It may take time for us to go through seasons. And those seasons in life, they're, they're, they, they come and then we're entered into a whole nother season. I've, I've, I've lived a little bit you know, of time to see some seasons happen in my life. And, and I'm five years older than Andrea, uh, I know I don't look it, just joking. But anyway, I am five years older than Andrea, and uh, so I kind of come into a season before she does. And so when she comes into it, I'm just like, she told you. I love doing that. You know, I love doing that. But we kind of have this little thing that goes back and forth, because when I come into my season, she goes, what's wrong with you? And I'm going, and what do I say? You'll see. Anyway, so... We go through these seasons of life, and those seasons are meant to kind of, there's a grace for every season. There's a display, there's an outpouring of what God wants us to do in every season. He doesn't bring us to a new season without giving us a new pathway. Isn't that cool? A new place to serve. So, but every time what I have found is a new sacrifice is required, a new rededication. Not necessarily for salvation or anything like that, but a new identification to kind of just say, are you willing to go, to get where you really want to go, there's going to be some fresh humility, some fresh brokenness, some fresh testing of your motives, and even what you treasure. And that's really what it comes down to. So it's a re-surrendering, isn't it? So let's take a look at a biblical account here real quickly about this guy named Abraham. And Abraham, as you know, uh, couldn't have children. But God promised that he would be a father of many nations. So after a long period of time, they figure about 25 years from the moment he was promised to have the child that he received Isaac. That's a long time to be holding on to a promise. Wow, long time. Abraham's almost 100 years old when he has Isaac. The answer is to his prayer, a promise, a prophetic promise downloaded in his heart. And finally, it happens. And so it, I don't know about you, and, about you, but I know for sure for me that if I'd been yearning for something like that for so long and that it was, it, you know, Abraham was a prophet and he knew that it had so much more than just holding a little baby boy in your arms that it meant your legacy. It meant, um, you know, as, as well, of course, in that culture, it meant being, have, having someone to pass on all the wealth that he had generated, all his ideas, all of his wisdom, to give it to somebody. So did he treasure Isaac? Oh, without question. I mean, personally, but also the thought of, of, of being able to, to what he would do to be, if he's going to be a father of many nations, Isaac was most certainly going to be a father of many nations too, wasn't he? So... This is all on the line. So this is our setup. So now we look there in Genesis chapter 22, and we see something fairly amazing that takes place. Let's look at it. I'm going to read it. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he said. Then God said, take your, your, now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, Isaac, his son as well. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go uh, yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood on the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a flint, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, here, here I am, he says, son. Then he said, Look, the, there's the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now notice Abraham's faith is already there already there. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in, the, in, in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar and upon the wood. 
And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife and was ready to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He says, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. And since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now, can we all see a foreshadowing of what God the Father himself did, right? This is a Christophany. This is an anthropomorphic example of what was going to happen in Jesus Christ, of course. Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its thorns, uh, horns. I'm sorry. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. You know it as Jehovah Hire or Jireh, however you pronounce it. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And he said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. With blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sea, a sand on which is in the seashore. And as your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, Theologians have looked at this and realized that the covenant that God made with Abraham was extended at this point. Because he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. But here you find that not only is he going to be the father of nations, but he is going to be a blessing to those nations. And of course, it's because of the, the, the Christological thing that took place with this. It is all supposed to be a picture for us now to know that it was through this faith. Paul pulls it all together for us. So anyway, it's, it's awesome what's taking place here. But man, does this not run like a great movie? I mean, you're sitting there. I mean, you sweat on your brow thinking, don't do it, Abraham. You can't do this. But yet you're torn, aren't you? Because here is our living God, our loving God, telling him to do that. And yet it doesn't make sense, does it? It's like, here's a God who's, who promised this for 25 years. He has the child. The child's growing ape up. Uh, Abraham, uh, Isaac is probably a young man, who knows, 15, 16, 17-year-old, enough to be strapping and ready to, to prepare and, you know, and be the, the proud fulfillment of what he's been waiting for. I mean, every dad knows that when you see your son come to that age and you know, watching Ben play basketball, Tate play baseball, I mean, you know, or watching my daughters do what they do. I mean, the, the pride that rises up inside you about ready to explode. And so here's Abraham, and yet God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, your, your pride, your joy, your hope, your future, everything, and put it on the altar. Whew. It'd be hard for any one of us. I can't even imagine it. I can't emotionally even go there. But that's exactly what God told him to do. And Abraham passed the test. So folks, this is a powerful account. And there's three keys you can write in your notes here real quickly, and we'll finish with this. Number one, because this is living God's way. This is what God does. This is a pathway that has never changed, and it never will change, Christian. So God is not necessarily telling us to take our one and only son. We don't have to do that, because why? God did it for us. We will never, ever have to do that. Not another drop of blood will have to be shed on a part of someone's sins. But will we need to continue to sacrifice? Will we need to continue to, to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, as Paul said? Absolutely. And what is God going to be after? Well, you'll see. Number one, Abraham was willing to re-surrender. So he had to re-surrender. Would anyone doubt Abraham's faith in God? Absolutely not. I mean, would anybody doubt his loyalty, his, his, you know, he could have bailed out on God any one of those 25 years, but he didn't. He said, well, I'm still waiting on the Lord. He did. But God often tests us with the things that are most important to us. The more things that you have that are important to you, the more they grow in your life, the more successful you become. It is, it's much more of a test, of course, to resurrender those things, isn't it? Now, it's not to say that we shouldn't enjoy things. We should, of course. God wants us to enjoy this, these things and, and family and, and all the wonderful things that are provided, provided in, our life, in, our, in this life. But folks are supposed to hold them with a very loose hand. 
whatever it might be. Why? Because the more that you have, the harder it is, the, ri- the greater the risk it is. So the first things that we often pull off the altar are the things we love the most. It's human nature to grip and hold tightly to the things that we love. And a lot of times, again, as parents, we might say, look, you can take, you might even be of that, of that ilk, that you can take all my stuff, but don't touch my kids. Don't send any of my kids to, to Africa to be a missionary. I want them close to me. I want them to grow up here with me. I want them to be, believe me. But it also might be absent. It might be, look, you know, my kids can go anywhere they want to go. Just don't touch my stuff. And it's amazing. And I'm not saying one is good or bad or ugly or any of that. I'm just saying you and I both know what are those things that we really value, that we have really, that we hold on to tightly. And it's often that place that God comes and retests us there. Are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to let that go? And it keeps our hearts malleable. It keeps us in a place where we're what? Trusting in God. To grow, if you're asking God to teach you more about faith or to grow you in faith, be careful what you ask for. Because <laughs> uh, faith is definitely tested in the realm of the heat, the fire, the place where we might have to give something up. But you know what? I don't believe there's any one of us who get uh, a, a, a simpler run on this. None of us are going to go to the easy school as far as this is concerned. If we want to experience greater moves of God in our life, it's going to require staying on the altar, of surrendering those things in our life, surrendering what we value. Number two, the second key to living that, to being that living sacrifice, Ab- number two, Abraham trusted God as his provider, didn't he? So he was in a situation where God asked him to se- surrender his one and only son. But you know what? It, notice what Abraham said, God will provide. I don't know how he's going to do it. This is important, people, because humanly, we do not know how God is going to provide. And when we think of this building, I got to tell you, is this testing my faith? Big time. Is it going to test all of our faith? Big time. Are the other things in our life, the protection of our children, the protection of, of, of our loved ones, our grandchildren? I mean, gosh, I'm getting to that point now where, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're just like, Lord, I just pray right now for my son. Just protect him. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why. I have this little vision you want to over-prophesy the thing or over, you know, kind of freak out. Just, Lord, just protect them right now in Jesus' name. Might keep you up for an hour or two. Because, you know, we care and carry so much, in, you know, of burden and in life inside us. We've got to be ready to what? Do what? Give that to God and trust him that he is going to provide his protection. And even if God does something else that we do not understand, it's still his will. It's still his, his love is all wrapped up and giving them ultimately the biggest sacrifice of God taking them earlier or anything. God forbid that that happened, but if it does, they're in his loving arms. Leslie wrote a whole book about this, didn't you? It's your life. It's your testimony. It's powerful. So Abraham said, my son, God will himself provide the lamb. So if you track back again, you will know that Abraham had already built that trust. So that's why he immediately said, you know, God's going to provide Why? Because he provided the first time. He gave him Isaac the first time. And so now God is asking for Isaac back. But you notice, even though he was going through the motions, we're told that he already believed that God was going to provide. So I know this is hard for us to understand, but the deal is this. This is where it meets us, is that, folks, God is going to test those areas of our life. So we're not just talking about the building. We're talking about beginning the whole new year off with a fresh understanding about living a sacrificial life, to look at the rest of our year to say, okay, God, what am I holding on to tightly? What am I, you know, am, am I holding back blessing and miracles and greater experiences with you because I'm holding on to something too tightly? It's possible. Hebrews chapter 11, 17 through 19, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Interesting. So we have another Christophany that goes even further, that even Abraham was thinking that even if he had put his son to death, God was able to raise him up. And isn't that what the father did? Only the father struck the full blow on his own son. 
and let him die, but raised him from the dead. Thank God, God didn't ask Abraham to have to do that. So Isaac was a literal living sacrifice, wasn't he? So Abraham trusted God and offered up his son. So finally, number three, God blessed, multiplied, and gave a great legacy to Abraham. Number three, put that up there, guys. God blessed, multiplied, and gave a great legacy to Abraham. So he made good on his promise. But whew, <laughs> kind of tight there, wasn't it? A little scary to see if that was going to actually happen. You know what? We're going to have those moments. We are going to have those moments. We should shy, not shy back from them. We shouldn't. And those are hard things. I've already shared with you my story about coming here. That was one of my, one of my moments. I was willing and had to be willing to give up Every, the security of where I was, surrounded by family and friends, surrounded by success of 22 years of ministry, and God came to me and said, give it up. Time to give it up. Of course, I was hoping that it was going to be an Isaac moment, right? And, I was getting, and God would stop me. Oh, good, David. I'm glad to see that you were willing to do it. No, he went on and said, nope, you are going to do it. I'm glad he did. Abraham was willing to re-surrender. In the case of his son Isaac, it was something valuable to him. So folks, here we are. We're in a season where we're, we're, we're praying and we're asking God to help us. Of course, we're talking about when we come into this, we're asking God to look at this new build from a, a legacy point of view. In other words, that the fruit of what's going to happen, and this is the way God works, is that every little piece of what is offered in the way of, of sacrifice, of time, of energy, of, of, of putting something aside for, for something else, God makes use of every bit of it. Every bit of it, which is why the sacrifice, by the way, the lamb was used every piece. Every piece had a purpose. Every little piece. And in the same way, every bit of every act of obedience that we, we sow towards doing anything for God is going to have fruit, all right? So I want you to be thinking about that. I want you to be praying about it in this season so that we can open the door, make a bigger door for what God wants to do out there. Remember I told you last week, don't get hung up on a building. Don't. It's just a vehicle. It's just a doorway. And often God uses those things to bring forth what he wants to do in us individually and what he wants to do in this community. Amen? All right, thank you. Let's stand up this evening.